Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to Startup Nightmares. Startup Nightmares is a podcast that aims to inspire those who work in the startup world to do the best work they can, the best way possible, while dodging some bullets doing so. Let's just be a bit more human here. All of these people started needing stuff from me. Don't feel like you're on your own, because you're, you're never on your own. But I'm paying this person a good wage. Why isn't that enough? And that doesn't make me special. What is making me special is my deeper story. People need a sense of purpose to feel motivated in a job. Wake up at five in the morning and like go to the gym for an hour. Like, what the fuck is that? You're sitting at your desk crying and you're like, what happened? I had no idea how to monetize anything. I was like, ah, everybody gets a title. You get a title. You get a title. Either pay me or I will sue you. All of our guests have been to the dark side of the innovation ecosystem and came back to tell their tale. You can use this. This is how you get there. It is not a secret anymore. My name is Tal Shmueli, and I will be your host. Inbal Perlman, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. Let's kick off with the basics. Who are you? What do you do? And why do you do it? So I'm Inbal. Um, I'm today the community manager of Google for Startups uh, in Israel. Uh, I do it for a lot of reasons. I think the main one um, and the one that gets me up in the morning is the people that I work with and making sure that they get together and that they get to connect with one another and creating human experiences. So, you know, there's today a very different kind of human experience that you could create with all the things that are happening. But when I think about myself, I'm very much oriented by people and I, I'm those you know you know the people who go to a party and get super energized and then there's the people who go to a party and they're like dead in the end of the day and they're like I don't want to see other people so I'm on the on the first side uh, and that's a, a lot of you know getting um, people together and mm-hmm. not just me with them I think that's a big part of it so you recharge by being around and with people definitely yeah you could have walked anywhere in the world and You started your career at the University of Pennsylvania and then at the age of what, 23, 24, you decided to come to Tel Aviv and restart your career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what happened was that I finished university. I studied uh, public um, diplomacy and political science and I was really drawn to that world. And my initial gut feeling was like, I want to leave again. You know, I want to go somewhere else. There's a lot of opportunities. 
um, ended up going to Philadelphia and I worked there as a uh, program uh, manager and director, everything, you know, around Israel from Israeli policy to society to politics, bringing in a lot of um, speakers, you know, from uh, ministers to uh, very, very interesting, influential uh, personas. My work there um, surrounded around Israel and it can get exhausting. It was a very interesting experience because I did get to work with different departments and, you know, Wharton, the business school and uh, working a lot with, you know, Jewish people, non-Jewish people, making sure that, you know, there's content and community that is uh, being built around Israel there and alongside, you know, connecting to Philadelphia. And it was a really great experience. But when I came back to Israel, um, I actually had a, a boyfriend here. We were long distancing for that entire time. Uh, so that had, I think, uh, a major part of also coming back. I wanted to do something different. I felt like also, you know, getting a lot of very intensive experience around Israel and the military and in my studies and then at Penn, I was like, okay, you know, I can always get back to it. So I decided to shift. Um, and that's when I got into tech. And I'm very happy I did that because with that's happening today, I'm like, okay, good not to be dealing with Israel all the time as part of your work. Jesus and here we are. We're talking about Israel. Yeah. And oh, shoot. How did that happen? Tal. <laughs> Was it um, hard to crack into tech once you came back? So I, I think what happened is I was very focused on finding a job and to land with something. Mm -hmm. um, I was, you know, one of those geeks who starts looking for a job four months before they're in Israel um, just to ensure that I, this is maybe me being like a, a Polish Jew, uh, but making sure that I know what I'm coming back to and As a part of my search, I was just reaching out to different people I knew, trying to expand my network. And I wasn't, you know, looking at a startup or a specific uh, accelerator, but I knew I wanted to do something in that area. I actually got also very good uh, timing and an amazing opportunity with a place I was in the, in the building, in the making. Um, and I joined Retech, um, which I can tell you about, um, but I joined a very small team um, and You know, there's different ways of getting into high tech. You can get the big corp experience. You can get the hardcore startup, you know, running around. And I think that at the time when I joined WeTech and there was definitely that startup environment, it really fits like my energy. I was really thirsty, really, really thirsty. I came in with like, give it to me, you know, I'm ready. Um, so I'd say it was, you know, finding a job is never easy, but I was, um, I was both very on it. I'm also fortunate to get that opportunity. To get that creep in so let's get going with the retech story retech mm. it's an innovation lab yeah innovation hub yeah. innovation hub that focuses on retail and fashion startups in Israel yeah absolutely so um, it's basically like you said an innovation hub and um, the main focus there was to get the amazing technology that is created today in Israel um, and help retailers um, and giants you know worldwide and Uh, who are interested in that disruptive technology um, and connecting startups to companies you know like ASOS, eBay, Nike, uh, Farfetch. And what was really cool is that you know, there was the innovation part. Um, it was an innovation hub. We did a lot of open innovation projects, um, incredible opportunity you know, to do scouting, understand the pain points of the retailers. Finding the tech is not enough. So you want to make sure that you know, it's implemented to the business core. So that was the one side. But then you have the hub. And the hub was a co-working space for retail tech companies, um, fashion tech, e-commerce, all that. 
and I was the hub and community manager. So I also got to do a lot of, you know, the um, hands-on work of, you know, the sales of the offices, the community events, the social media, um, making sure the community is alive. And just to give you the framework, right? This is all in Tel Aviv, a small hub, around 30 startups in the place. Above two floors. In two floors above a space. vinyl shop, like the 30-year. Like you go up, you see all these musicians and you smell all, all these things that aren't necessarily cigarettes. And you're like, okay, this is not a place where startups lie. And then you go up and suddenly there's like a retail tech hub and it's a boutique and it's like a WeWork for retail tech. So it was also a, a really, really cool place to work at. Super diverse. Like my mind was blowing up with uh, lots of different new things every single day. Retech was a startup in its own right. Yes. So Retech was um, established by Yael Kochman and Ala Focht, who were two co-founders who actually were in the fashion tech world before. Yael started the really big fashion tech community in Israel. And they uh, decided to create a place that was also a home for startups, uh, making sure they get events and access to investors and uh, opportunities, but also working with retailers and leveraging all the different technology to, to help um, companies from abroad. And what they did that was really, really special was create You know, when you start a startup from scratch and you have a product, it's very different than opening a hub that's also a startup because we were, you know, four people on the team and they managed to both create a physical space where people knew, you know, this is a retail tech place in Israel. You want to meet delegations, you know, the CIO and head of menswear and CTO of ASOS. And you want to you know, meet an investor in the retail tech world. And you want to have an office and meet other places, meet other startups from that field. They managed to create all of that in the same place. And Um, I had the opportunity to also come in and develop that and make sure that we grow it and create a really, really good network of founders. So again, you're at the intersection of the world outside of Israel and then the heart of what's going on in Israel. Yeah. Was it weird for those big brands to come in and see what was very good looking, but still a scrappy co-working space just exploding? Sorry, that was not a scrappy co-working space. Let's stop right here. It was the finest co-working space in the world. They loved it. They loved it. <laughs> Let's say the would... vinyl shop was like an attraction because, you know, vinyl shops are attraction. I, 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 were they surprised? They were surprised. There's always, you know, when you go up that elevator and you um, leave it alive the and you're not stuck, scrappy. you're always surprised. The, the elevator was scrappy? This elevator was unbelievably okay. scrappy. When you end up, you know... Those moments where like, I might just finish my life here in an elevator. And then they leave and they're like, oh, nice to meet you, founder. Um, that was when they were surprised. No, but to your question, I think there was always that feeling of, you know, we're coming to Israel, we're coming to Startup Nation. But because retail tech is so innovative, there's so many things happening in Israel around it. You know, computer vision and uh, AI and robotics and data and like uh, information security. And you take all the different technologies that are happening in Israel and they can all be implemented to help them solve their problems. They would come in and they would always leave with that extra sense of awe. There was never a time where someone left and said like, oh, it wasn't worth it, you know? Yeah. And yeah, yeah. that's what I think we also really enjoyed. Can you name a few examples for companies who have made a difference in that world? Definitely. So we have a company, um, absolutely adore the team uh, up until today. We're in touch with them and uh, miss their energy. Um, their name is Hexa, and they uh, focus on creating 3D content. And they created this platform where um, retailers who want to showcase a product today and uh, increase um, the consumer you know, buying and all that, basically making sure that this happens in an automated, uh, streamlined way. And 
through Retech and through the connections, they got to work with H&M. Um, they're working today with brands like Macy's and Ikea. Um, they're constantly growing. And what they're doing today is also very relevant because everybody's shopping online. And, you know, when you're buying a ring or you're buying a couch and you want to imagine how would that look um, on your finger or in the living room. Um, and they have this incredible energy. It's like a team that would come in every day and one of the funnest companies to work in, literally. And they grew now. They're in their own offices. But those stages of, you know, hustling all around, I would see those every, you know, every day. And they were like the funniest dudes. And um, yes, we also managed to get them uh, working with some amazing clients. Uh, but it was also a lot thanks to their grit and their work. So when you meet a startup for the first time, what do they look like? What is the team like? How big... Can they conduct themselves? Like, what's going on? Super diverse. Like, we would meet, you know, people on the very early stages. A part of my role there, because, you know, the community that I was managing, it wasn't just the people on the hub. There were 30 companies working in this uh, co-working space, but there were around 450 startups in Israel in the retail tech space. So a lot of the work was also making sure that we're, A, helping the really early stage ones that want to get into it, but obviously working with the more mature ones and creating events and creating networking opportunities between the mature guys to the younger ones. Um, so it could have been a meeting with somebody who's just starting his startup and he's um, looking to connect with other uh, people in the field, looking to join the hub. And it can also be a company, you know, as big as a uh, site uh, or Twiggle, you know, thinking about visual search today. Um, site is an amazing company that does that. Uh, we had that uh, leverage of knowing the field in Israel and knowing also how to help the startups between themselves. So you're describing a Hexa company that had started with how many people when you met them? There were about five. And then five people, to six, seven. Co-working space, yeah. six, seven. And then, you know, they're going, they, they embark on their own, they hire their own office. So part of the job was to map the different interests of players in the field and see and get them connected. Yes, uh, we actually, and this is one of the funnest projects I got to work on. Um, we wrote a very, very detailed report on the state of retail technology. And I had a really uh, amazing experience there because I'm an avid writer and I really enjoy also you know, creating content. And um, we mapped you know, the trends, the M&As, um, the funding that was taking place and it got into Forbes. Um, and that was a real milestone also in the entire job because, you know, when you think about a community manager, there are so many things that come up to mind. And what I loved about Retech and, you know, working with my team there was that we did everything. Obviously, working with startups, you know, making sure the events are happening, but working on that kind of report gives you an understanding of the field you're in. And that is so important not to just, you know, touch it, you know, clean the, I'm not saying there's dust here, but, you know, you clean the dust. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm allergic to dust, Dal. <laughs> Me too, actually. Me too. <clears throat> Coffee. Uh, no, I'm kidding. But, you know, there's... I can see it now. Making oh, sure our, that... Our people yeah, will get yeah, from yeah, that yeah, as soon yeah, as we yeah. finish. Our people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll put a note. We need to clean the house. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. My house is worse now. <laughs> so, the door to startups is sometimes that you can do a variety of things. One would be to get a company set up and figure out how to get them a monitor. But the other part is to write a comprehensive report that ends up, you know, being published by Forbes. Yeah. What are the downsides of such environment? Like when, when was it most painful and like, mm. oh my God, I just want to go back to my life in Philly where everything was, you know, 
<laughs> wow. Um, I think what you're describing and that multitasking that we, um, you know, us, both of us and many of our friends and what I've experienced is, you know, we're at a time where you want to be uh, an expert in many things and you want to learn and be able to implement, you know, content and uh, production and events and, and, you know, social and it's almost even um, an expectation, right? And I think on the one side, I enjoyed learning. And every time I would see something, I was at this, you know, okay, this, I don't know this yet. It's annoying, but I'm going to get to it. And you find ways to get around it. Just an example, sales, right? I had to sell offices. This is like a, a, work, a working space. You have to, you know, my KPIs were also around that. And yeah, we need to pay rent. We need to pay rent. Not something I thought I would <laughs> get into, but you end up taking that skill and learning it. But at the same time, I remember days where I was like, wait, I'm doing so much. Obviously, I'm on a growth setting and this is great and it's getting me places. Um, but you have these days when you're frustrated and you're thinking, okay, what is my expert? What is my real expertise and where am I implementing you know, my best energy and my best resources? And I think that this is something that we're all feeling today. Um, and I have a lot of talks with my friends about this where, you know, job world today, millennials, whatever you want to call it, you have to find that balance. Um, and it's something I'm still dealing with today. How did you manage the context switching and knowing mm -hmm. where to put yourself? So I think, you know, just for, for context, I did learn a ton um, from Yael and Ala. And that was also the privilege in working in such, such a small team where you're very close to everything that's happening and you uh, experience the processes of building the startup with them. Um, obviously, I did not co-found it, but being in such a close environment gave me a lot and working with them and, you know, prioritization and obviously selling offices. That's um, not something that any of us did, but I did learn a lot around sales specifically from Yale. And I think coming with that um, understanding that I have a lot to learn and I knew that. And as I was getting better at it slowly, I realized that you know, I'm stretching myself thin, but it's manageable. Um, and there were days where I was like, okay, this is a lot. This is not, this is not what I expected. But I'm a really... Um There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm goal-oriented. You know, you give me a goal, I want to get to it. I like when things actually come into fruition. So I think it's, it's one, you know, it's the curse and the blessing because when you're a person with very high pace and you want to get things done, but then on those days you're like, oh, I need to, to take it easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's no replacement for a passion. I mean, it just, it's yeah. just contagious. It's also, you know, you talk about start of life and like the late hours. I would, I remember like writing those posts on like late nights and I was on the sofa with, with my boyfriend, Yaron, and you know, this is a time where, You'd usually watch a Netflix and I'd be like, okay, what's happening in the Omni Channel in store solutions right now in Sephora? And I would like go, go deep into these articles and like read about show fields and read about. And this is not a part of my work necessarily, but it's today one of the things that I'm so uh, happy that I did. And now I'm doing, you know, I'm creating content in a different form, but I just realized I have to create something. So I'm not painting for work, right? But creating something that isn't on the to-do list of the job is something that really gets me going. Amazing. It's the part of the job description that isn't written anywhere. But once you get it right, it unlocks yeah. so many opportunities yeah. inside and outside of your company. Yeah. Now, let's talk a little bit about Google for startups because this isn't Google. It's something quite different. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that initiative and your role within it. So Google for Startups um, is an arm that Google funds um, to support uh, startups and to help them succeed um, with the best of Google. So imagine this is a very big company, right? Lots of experience, lots of know-how, connections, people. There's a wealth of experience that has been created throughout the years. And the goal is to take all of that and um, make sure that startups that we work with Uh, grow. And this happens in a lot of different ways. Um, again, very big company, uh, different ways of uh, achieving that goal. But there's campuses. And that's the, uh, the physical how. Um, physical campuses that are located around the world. We have seven locations. So Tel Aviv, London, uh, Madrid, Seoul, Sao Paulo, Warsaw, um, Tokyo. Uh, I may have forgotten one, but I think I didn't. And all of these campuses are basically the place for founders and their local ecosystem. So all the way from a co-working space to trainings to events to a community of other founders. Now our campuses are closed. We can get into that later. We're still operating remotely. My role in the uh, campus is new. So it didn't exist before. And it was also a really big privilege to create it um, with the team and understand the needs as we were uh, going uh, and You know, coping with this whole situation. Exactly. My role there is basically to build and develop um, and maintain this infrastructure that is both community, but also a professional one for our startup founders. So this uh, entails a lot, but uh, you know, in an overview, I can divide it into connections and skills. So when we work today with startup founders, uh, my mission is to ensure that they have really valuable connections that they get first and foremost between themselves. There's a lot of value that they can get just from working together and getting to know people from you know, the same uh, struggles. It's a, it's a lonely journey, so you want to be able to have that community. 
between them and the industry. So we're talking about investors, accelerators, the entire tech ecosystem um, and Google, right? So whether it's technological support or something that is more connected to the know-how. And on the skill side, um, we're talking about all the things that founders, you know, in the beginning of their journey uh, want and need to know. So this is usually in the form of content, but really ensuring that we're bringing the best content um, and curating it. Um, so that's a lot of my work. Got it. The Google campuses has a special buzz about them. I've seen a couple already. Yeah. I've seen the London one. Absolutely jam-packed. You couldn't even find a place to put your bag down. Definitely. And the Tel Aviv one, very much so. Yeah. Um, I worked with a startup, one of the startups in, in, in the Tel Aviv campus, and I go in, they walk out of the kitchenette, they put their laptops in, they walk, they finish their work at seven, and there's uh, one in the auditorium, people are uh, gearing up for a talk, and in the lobby, there's someone lecturing, so the places are absolutely buzzing. Incredible energy. You know, there's, it's, it's a meeting spot. Again, talking on the time uh, before the pandemic, I think that was so exciting is that you know you're in a place that is constantly fueling itself with people from different you know areas that can help you as a startup grow your business but also on the other side if you're an investor and you want to meet startups and keep up you know keep in the loop you know that's where um, a lot of the most exciting meetups and events uh, take place so imagine that on a global scale right and every ecosystem um, of startups you know, needs that meeting place. And, you know, I'm very fortunate um, to have a privilege to work in this place where one of the most successful organizations in the world is, is funding, uh, where we really get to help founders. Um, and this is not, you know, selling offices. We actually get to create these immense... It's very genuine. Yes. It's yes. very, very genuine. Um, yeah. From working with some of your startups, I could see that the, the Google for Startups was there for them when they needed it. Uh, yeah. If it was credits to use Google services, and if it was a space to walk out of a day in the week, if it was a place to host their event, yeah. it was felt like this is for them. And you said, you know, something interesting about the needs. Um, we work with such a, a wide range of founders. You know, there are around 400 startups in the network in Israel alone. So many different verticals. And we're talking here about a mix of, you know, first time founders, very seasoned ones. This can be like, I talked to somebody, fifth startup, who's joining the community because he wants to be a part it's of the community. It's a startup addict. Do you, startup do addict. you provide any rehab for We it? have some rehab solutions. We can talk about them later. There is timing there, so they have to be on time. <laughs> um, but there is, there is that really beautiful mix where you also have some ex-Googlers who are opening a startup and joining in and the mentorship between the startups. So this is not just, you know, everyone's coming on their, you know, first journey. Um, and when that does happen, you know, looking at the the mosaic, um, I think we're really uh, unique in that sense. And it's fun. How does a company get into Google for startups? Who do you choose? So we uh, look at founders um, today that are developing a tech product that we believe in, you know, that has to have some potential both on the business side, but is also creating a solution that, you know, aligns with our values, a world that we want to see. And to be in uh, our community, you actually have to have a full-time a minimum two people working on this startup. Um, we are, you know, have to actually look at the applications. There's an entire process where people apply. For us today, and this is something that has been growing lately, is 
underrepresented groups, for example, you know, working a lot with female founders, um, Arab Israelis, Bedouins, uh, Haredi uh, women. One of our responsibilities, because, um, you know, we're we're not just working in a vacuum. This is Israel. You know, there are some limitations for uh, certain societies to come into this bubble of high tech in Tel Aviv is to ensure that we give opportunities to different people and leveraging the playing field. I want to ask a little bit about the role of community in driving startup success. Hmm. A few years ago, five, six, not that long ago, communities was, you know, a functionality on a Facebook page. Yeah. But now it's a fundamental part of starting a company. What can you tell us about the role of community in startup success? So I think... When you look today at um, community managers, it's important to also understand the framing, right? It's a word with a lot of different meanings in different companies. So being a community manager in a startup, uh, being a community manager in a corporate, different KPIs, different goals, it can uh, sometimes mean, you know, sales. It can sometimes mean actual community building, um, community around a product. So just, you know, for anyone who's even thinking about going into that world, be very uh, eye-open to, uh, if you can say eye-open, but, you know, be mindful into what is it that the organization really needs. And, you know, taking it back to working with startup founders, like I said, you know, being a startup founder is not a walk in the park. Um, there is a lot of uh, components involved, you know, managing the business side, managing the networking side, managing um, your branding, managing fundraising people it's just uh, the list never is never ending and i think that a big part um of my role and of community managers doing you know the kind of work that we're up to is giving a support system um and creating this um support system that is again both professional um we're at a meeting point myself um of you know connections to this huge organization google at the same point working with the industry at the same point, working with startups. And it's almost, you know, like a butterfly or a bird seeing a lot of different uh, scenarios and situations and being able to combine those together. The thing that put this initiative on my radar is not the building or the coffee machines or the excellent Wi-Fi you guys have. None of that. I've seen that. I've used that. But what had really put this initiative on the map for me was the response you guys had during the outbreak of the pandemic yeah i kept seeing posts of grateful founders of yourself of your partners and the lens that you've gone through in order to cater for the for yeah. the different startups that was to me mind-blowing because you mentioned the things that they are actively asking for your help with but this is something you know no one knew how to even start unraveling so walk us through those days where you realized, oh my God, we're closing the campuses. How did you yeah. go about that? And how did you manage that? Uh, level sweet of memories, sweet memories. So I really remember, you know, it's when your body goes through like a moment and you can recall that feeling. It was March 14th, I think, March 15th. I don't remember the exact hour, but we um, uh, are essentially a physical space, right? We offer a co working space, we're offering a meeting point. All these things that are around meeting people every every day, every moment, we have to close campus. And this is not just Tel Aviv, this is all the seven campuses around the world. And we have to also deliver, you know, and let people know you can't come anymore. When that happened and when the entire community went online, I realized like we have to start listening really hard. 
Um, and that where the that's where the active listening came in. Um, and we did a lot of one on one checkings. And I'm talking to you about, you know, this is this is like a hundred plus conversations that our entire team conducted, you know, dividing names and just checking in, like, how are you doing right now? This is very, very tough. Not just on, you know, the business. This is like everybody was going through a transition, but when you're in a startup and you're in a creation mode. So we just wanted to see how are people doing and obviously start collecting the info. After that, um, getting some, you know, initial feedback, we decided to divide it into three pillars. And my strategy was pretty organized. Like, you know, when there's a disaster, some people freeze. Some people are like, okay, what's happening? I start working. Um, and I remember I was in this, like, one of the most um, productive modes that I've had, which is kind of weird, right? This is a pandemic hitting. But I was really into, you know, that startup mode back. It was, like, popping in. And... The pillars were, first of all, the business support. The second was founders' well-being, which was a real priority. And the third was our community engagement as a whole. I'll go into the three and I'll give you an example of each. Um, So for the business support, this Mm -hmm. is something that we were already doing. You know, making it online. Everybody was going through that transition of adjusting, you know, the meetings and the webinars. And a lot of the pains were around, um, you know, meeting with investors and people who are in funding rounds. So that we continue doing, you know, in the best way that we knew. But another important thing is those serendipitous moments where people, like you said, get to meet each other in the coffee, uh, coffee shop and cafe space. And I remember thinking, like, how are we making those meetings happen? Because this is feedback, right? This is not just like you're meeting a friend for coffee. This is the next person who might help you, you know, change your way of thinking. So one of the things we did remotely was um, did some virtual coffee dates where we would match up blind dates um, based on common challenges. And we sent over coffee cups to our founders. And these are actually happening as we're speaking. Um, there was one this morning and it's amazing where you can get one person, another person, and you know they're going to have such a good match. It's such a good shiduch, as you say in Hebrew. And they don't know each other yet. And you just do you know a lot of those. And again, this is not the coffee space vibe, but it's getting that experience. The second pillar, which is really close to my heart, and I have actually been more drawn to it with every day that's been going by is um, well-being for the founders. And again, this is a pretty buzzy word. Um, But what I saw and the issue we were facing was founders going through very serious struggles. You know, this is life changing in a way where you're, you have a family, you have a wife, you're working on your startup. And, you know, before COVID, it's okay. You're going to make it happen. There's a direction. But suddenly people were in the situation of maybe I shouldn't be working on my startup because you know, circumstances and it, it's it's literally mentally exhausting. If you didn't have a product that's ready to go, it'll be very hard to raise investment. Yeah. It'll be very hard to support your uh, your team financially if you don't know how long this is going to last yeah. and you can't really see when investment is going to come in. There's a lot of uncertainty and I think it's a big part. Anyone who's going to be a founder knows that. But when the pandemic hit, it was just like a blow and... My goal was to create a space for our founders to be able to talk about that. You know, we're not going to solve it for them, but to be able to create uh, an environment where they can discuss it. You know, we had a female founder with four kids that was like working, working, you know, every day on our startup in our campus. And she would come to like, this is finally the place where I can work. Suddenly she was back at our house and, you know, who can you talk to about? You know, you're trying to get that uh, client going and the investor and, and now you're home with your family and it's busy and we decided to create um, groups uh, that were led by an executive coach to discuss, you know, resilience and the stress that was happening and 
how do you deal with the failures that are coming up right now? This is not like something you expected. This is not even something you created. This is just happening. So we had three groups that uh, met during, you know, pretty two weeks, I think, after um, the lockdown and very close to the, let's say, the pandemic uh, kickoff. We kicked off those uh, groups and it was amazing because we had founders that created new relationships and bonded. We had some buddies, you know, that we would match in between uh, the sessions, but also there were new uh, relationships that formed, but also it was a real space to discuss, you know, what it means to be a CEO of a company today in these situations. And we've actually evolved this program. We just launched, um, uh, let's say, an advanced uh, format where our founders are getting one-on-one executive coaching, which is, you know, really important these days. If you want to work on your leadership and you want to ensure that your company is doing well, long-term, um, you have to take care of your well-being. But you guys responded so quickly. How did it go about, like, how did you manage to... That is actually one of the things I'm super grateful for because I'm working with a team and with a manager who are extremely open-minded. Um, and again, this is a local team, but also Google for Startups is a global organization. And we were working very closely with other teams understanding what is happening in communities, what is happening in other places around the world. And there was such an open minded uh, approach to initiatives and i um got to you know create something that people understood the situation this was not just you know we're bringing an executive coach for the fun of it so being a part of google for startups is also incredible in that sense that right we're a corporate but we can help startups and we have the um the environment to do right. that there was an understanding of the response time required in order to be effective definitely definitely and i think that in israel we also managed to do that pretty fast um and our entire team you know understood that this is a situation it's also being israeli and getting things done um i would like to give you an example for each of the other pillars in please Israel. i just want to i just want to congratulate yeah. google for knowing when yeah. to be a corporate and create processes and systems and mechanisms and knowing when to be a startup Yeah. And just trusting the guys and the girls in the trenches yeah. with the funds and the backwind to do what's necessary. So amazing job, you guys. Yeah. And now I'd, I'd love to hear some of the examples of the other pillars. Yeah, it's true. For the third pillar, um, and that is, uh, you know, the community as a whole. We're mm-hmm. talking about the individual support, talking about the business support. Um, you have to keep it fun. At the end of the day, our community wasn't about the business always. It was also... You know the social connections and the relationships that you create that you know end up accompanying you for the rest of your life fun was probably one of the first casualties in this crisis absolutely alcohol came into the picture to maintain it um so we and this is actually one of the favorite events that I got to organize you know throughout my community career as a whole one of our founders had a music tech startup and he was also a musician um, and when they joined campus we were in this uh you know fooling around with the idea of let's do a live concert. Let's do a music show. Never happened. Uh, COVID comes along and we decided to do a, a concert um, for our founders. And this was this kind of event where, you know, people are not on Zoom um, if they don't have to be. And you have to get really creative and out of the box to create human experiences that people, you know, turn off the camera and like, holy shit, that was amazing. I want to do that again. So alcohol comes in the picture. <laughs> We sent over cocktail kits to the founders. And cocktail kits. Cocktail kits. What yeah. does that mean? So you get a beautiful glass. Um, you get like the drink and some extra stuff that you can put inside. This comes with a note, right? A personal note um, making people feel that they're thought of. You're in a corporate. You have the branding of Google for startups. But that's the balance that I'm really attracted to of how do you work in scale 
but you make people feel like they're a part of something and you were just, you know, thinking about them. And you get this note of like, see you at 5.30 p.m. We have a live music show with the community. Come meet all your friends and fellow founders. Obviously, you know, from founders are talking about their insights, what happened in COVID. You know, there's a place for them to talk. But then, you know, everybody's with their cocktail. And we're listening to a show by one of our founders who was, I cried in the rehearsal. Like, he was so good. Really amazing. Omer Amat. So if I was a founder, let me just make sure I get the picture right. Absolutely. I'm walking for home for three, three and a half months now. All of a sudden, someone knocks on my door, hands me a kit. I open the kit. I see a glass and the components to mix my own cocktail with the invite to participate at a live event taking place. In the live event, one of the other founders played music. Yes, and we had some you know other founders also talk before. Um, we're a lot into sharing knowledge, so we ask different founders to share tips. Um, so you know, closing deals remotely, um, managing teams, you know, exchanging that knowledge and giving people a stage. Um, we're a platform in the end of the day, and we want to celebrate people's successes. We also want to talk about what's not working. Um, you want to do that all. Um, so that was also a big part of the live event. You opened the session today with saying like listen we have to get people um, in order to get people's attention you have to just bombard them with value and the value is multifaceted exactly business value emotional value and then something on the societal support mechanism exactly. and it sounds like that this last initiative really really bundled all of these things together and and you know Passing classes to how you get people engaged. Kimbal, we're just at the end of our time. Is there a topic that we haven't covered that you think is important? Hmm. Yes. I think um, working remote for the long run is something that I've been thinking about lately. One of the things that we are uh, looking at right now because our physical space is still closed is, you know, starting to accept the situation that we're living in and... I think transition, we, we discussed the transition um, and the abrupt changes that we had to all adjust to. And now what I'm going through and I think what other people are going through is understanding, you know, this is the new reality. A belief that I started, you know, trying to, to get myself into is that our story, what we tell ourselves, like this is how we support startups. Like we had a co-working space um, for so long. I was still mourning over that co-working space because I would literally get texts from founders every other day of like, when are you up back? or I want to come to your studio to record a podcast or a video. And, you know, people are waiting and suddenly I'm getting less texts and I myself am starting to understand like, you know, there might be a third or fourth wave. And one of the things that has been helping me is just continuing to doing all the things that we've been talking about. So people already are forgetting about the space, but, you know, the new support that we're giving is so valuable where, okay, we don't need the space because you're still getting other things. And how do you reinvent yourself and your value proposition um, to ensure you're still a part of a person's life, hundreds of people's lives and making them feel like they're okay, we're still connected. And that comes back to working from home and doing that in funky ways. I can imagine it's especially hard for someone who's diving so much of your of her energy from yeah. being around people. Yeah, I have to start my own parties on my porch. <laughs> That's what happens. Yeah. But I think one of the things that happened during this time, and it did start a little bit before COVID, but has been uh, growing since, is a podcast that I started. Um, and this is my own initiative. I did it with a, a co-host, Nitsan Gal. It was amazing. 
Um, and what we decided to tackle was that entire world of uh, connectors, ecosystem managers, people who are working in Israel and abroad to uh, connect people specifically in the tech industry, but also looking at beyond. So the connector, your podcast, is one way we can better understand the world of ecosystem managers, community managers, yeah. and get to know you and Nitsan better. Yeah. Where are other places we should go to learn more about your work in Google for Startups? So for Google for Startups, um, our website has a lot of information. So campus.co. And if you're a startup founder, you can just apply through the website. I write a lot in LinkedIn. Um, I think it's a great platform. And um, my Instagram, if anybody's interested in seeing my latest pieces from ceramics, uh, I just posted I have some really nice espresso cups. I might get you one. But that's really a different, you know, platform. Irba, thank you for coming. Thank you so much. This was really fun. <laughs> I'm no glad much. you enjoyed it. It was fun for us as yeah. well. Uh, you bring so much. Uh, your personality comes out in your work, which is so rare to see. This overlap between who you are, what you do, and the reasons you do it is absolutely mind-blowing. Thank you so much. Our pleasure. And thank you for the coffee. Ooh la la. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 